Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in. Just letting you guys know before we start the show that today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Right now, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com MNR14 and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free title on us and start listening today. It's that easy, guys. Go to audibletrial.com MNR14 to start your free 30-day trial membership. Peace. And Giroud's in there, and Arsenal have the lead. He's drifted away from Carr. Henri! Goes to 120. Cousin plays. Start as Flamini comes in. Oh, yes! Well, he gets one, and then he thumps home another. Well, that one is for the scrapbook. Wazinski plays it in, Oxley chambers in there again, Wazinski shoots, what a goal that is! Brilliant goal from Thomas Wazinski, and that's another goal of the season contender! Here's Burkett. Oh, that's brilliant work! And that well and truly wraps it up for Arsenal. So it could have been worse for Martin Yol on his side. Looking for Cano. Oh, he's past Young! Walcott trying to go around Norton. He's done well, Walcott. Plays across him. Murtasaka with a header! What a time to get your first goal for Arsenal! Per Murtasaka, it's 1 1. Henri, chance of a breakout. Wilson to his right, Perkamp to his left. He'll do well to catch up with Thierry Henri, though. Great strike, what a goal! That is a brilliant goal from Robin Van Persie, his 29th goal of the season. Walcott, chance for the Gunners, and Giroud's in there, and Arsenal have the lead. It's Olivier Giroud who puts Arsenal one goal to the good against Tottenham. Ramsey in the middle, coming up in support is Hector Bellerin. Ramsey, yes, it's in! Aaron Ramsey scores! The chooses the finishes! Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Straight Out of Islington, an Arsenal podcast. My name is Mario, and of course, as always with me is Ryan. Ryan Hennick, how are you, sir? Mario, doing good, man. Came back down from the uh, seesaw of emotions. That was the North London Derby, but uh, back back on level ground and ready to, uh, you know, trying to uh, analyze with a very calm, cool demeanor, not in the demeanor that I was in after Granit Xhaka gave away the penalty for the second goal. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, we're going to get right into the North London Derby. I think that's uh, that, that, that was the, the, the match of the weekend, and it certainly did not disappoint. Uh, as always, these matches are incredible. Uh, I can remember even as far as last year, that 4-2 victory over Arsenal. And when we went 2-0 uh, down at this one, um, I was like, whoa, is this another one? Um, but yeah, we'll get right into the match. I just want to give a huge shout out to everybody that came out 
uh, to the Duke of Wellington this uh, this this Sunday, um, trying to have a resurgency of the Arsenal supporters group that uh, we created such a long time ago here, uh, where we are in the uh, about an hour away from Toronto, Kitchener Waterloo. So shout outs to everybody that came out. Um, it's always uh, good to uh, watch. It's a, it's such a different atmosphere, a watching it from your your living room instead of watching it with a bar full of people and, and you know what it, it was pretty good because there were Spurs supporters there um, which we didn't realize they were there until they scored and we just heard them yelling um, which was pretty interesting I mean obviously you don't see that in in, in England um, Arsenal supporters and, and Tottenham supporters but um, you've ever done that Ryan I think you were watching the game at a bar were you not I, um, last season, towards the tail end of last season, we played Everton away. I was in Boston for a work trip and I caught the match at the uh, Arsenal pub there in Boston. Um, which, by the way, if you go to Boston, they, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, which is known as, has a law on Sunday that you cannot drink alcohol before, I want to say, 10 a.m. Mm. And so I believe... I believe it's either 10 a.m. or 9 a.m. And so the kick, the match started at 9 a.m. So for the first half, nobody could drink any alcohol. So no pints, <laughs> nothing. Um, so just coffee or water. And I think we were down one nil at half. And so there were there were double, triple orders by, by the time uh, 10 a.m. <laughs> awesome. passed. And um, so, yeah, it, it is a cool experience, especially with like you get in a, into an official Arsenal pub and um, yeah, definitely. I think is yeah. I, I'm a nervous wreck. Well, I, I have to watch it by myself <laughs> when I'm at home because well, hey, nobody wants to be around me, and it's just kind of I'm just a miserable, nervous mess. So um, it it does help to uh, when the going is good to to watch it with your fellow uh, supporters. But also, I think it's a bit therapeutic if if it's a bad performance, you can kind of you know. Uh, commiserate together, cry, and, cry and, on somebody else's shoulder. Yeah, it helps when you, <laughs> you can you can share in the uh, bashing of of your your favorite player who you want to blame uh, for that performance, and and it's 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 very uh, therapeutic. Yeah, it was awesome because uh, I got together with another. It's so good to know another Arsenal supporter. Um, he's a, he's a friend of mine. Uh, he works he works where I used to work at and um, he just started and we became good friends obviously because we're both Arsenal supporters um, he's a Scottish descent you can a hint of, of a Scottish accent in there um, and uh, he obviously supported Celtic so he knew uh, a bunch of Kieran Tierney he was excited about it we were talking about it um, but no this place opened up at 9 a.m. perfect we had breakfast uh, there we went in at 11 uh, and it was a good time. It was a good time. We got to meet other people, which is always great. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully I can continue doing that. And um, it's a great atmosphere. It's an English pub, so uh, prop proper one. It looked like a really nice decorative one. It kind of pictured like if you were in London or anywhere in England, that's kind of the type of pub that I would imagine it would look like. So it was great. Um, so, yeah, anyways, Ryan, the, the North London Derby, bro. Uh, pretty excited for this one. Uh, we were, I, I was definitely going in there super excited, uh, that we finally had the lineup that we've been wanting, uh, all this time, a four, three, three, uh, the midfield, um, was kind of, uh, interesting to me. Um, but what, what was your take on, on the, uh, the lineup and the match itself? Uh, I mean, the lineup was, I mean, we talked about it last week, you know, 
was Emery going to finally play the the front three of uh, the, the PAL uh, trio, uh, Pepe, Laka, and Aubameyang, and he did. So that was, you know, um, exciting when those when the lineup did get announced to see those guys get the start. I think the midfield, I think, was pretty, for the most part, predictable. I mean, he, he's he's going to play Xhaka. Um He's had a tendency to to start Guendouzi when he's you know fit and available. So those two, no real surprise there. And then um, you know Torreira has got his first start of the season, so mm-hmm. maybe that was a bit of a surprise. Um, you know, uh, Joe Willick had had been starting in that spot before, or Sabio. So um, and then the back four kind of picked itself uh, with who we have available. So uh, probably no real shocking surprises in the lineup. Um, mm-hmm. But again, we can, you know, as the match went on, uh, there's always going to be hindsight and second guessing of were those the right decisions, especially I think in, in the middle of the park. Um, and but you know, to start match started first ten minutes, and I, I don't think there was any complaints. I think we were uh, came out with intensity, with energy. I think we were clearly the better team and kind of had them on the back foot. And um, yeah, and then came the the goal from basically out of nothing and uh you know uh do you want to just go into that yeah, <laughs> like, yeah no, talk, talk I, into I, was, I was gonna tell i was gonna ask you to let's talk about that because i wanted to break it down with you uh whose whose fault was that it was it socrates it kind of looked like he was backtracking a, not not as fast as you would want him to i mean there was a huge defensive flop for that goal yeah i mean there's there's plenty of blame to go around um i mean starting i mean you look where the the play started it was a they were trying to build out of the back, I believe it was a goal kick that they played short, which they would were doing pretty much all match. They played it to, I think it's Vertonghen, and he just gave it right back to Lloris, and we were uh, putting them under pressure. So he just, he really just hoofed it long. Like it wasn't even a, a he didn't pick out Kane. I mean, he just kind of just, it was a first time, just launched it uh, as far as he could. And so Kane, so Kane wins the header. So first, first mistake is you have, uh, Kane drops a little deeper. Uh, Son is actually further forward um so they're basically split you know as a as a as a two there um uh, vertically so uh first mistake is jock is there to challenge kane for the header and he doesn't really jump um and so that's the first mistake second mistake is socrates mm-hmm. who doesn't for some reason doesn't see that granite jock is there at all mm-hmm. and so he just runs straight into the back of jock and kane which completely takes him out of the play. He's got no chance to win the header. Cause again, he's just ran into his own teammate. Um, it's like a, in baseball, you know, a fly ball when they're like the two outfielders or yep. they don't call each other off and they just run into each other and the ball drops. That's, that's essentially what happened here. So Kane wins the header, um, flicks it on to, um, I believe it's son. And so right, right out the bat, you have your defensive midfielder and one of your center backs who are completely out of the play at essentially like the halfway line. Mm-hmm. So never a good thing when that's, when that <laughs> starts the attacking movement is when that that's the scenario. And then, then David Luis steps up and it's, um, so son takes the ball. He starts to just, just dribble. And I believe Lamella runs kind of diagonal behind him. And, and Luis, I think tries to do something. I think he tries to anticipate that son is going to slip that, kind of reverse slip that ball in. So he, he stops following son who's dribbling and kind of almost like 
fakes and baits mm-hmm. to Lamella's run, and Sun just and keeps dribbling because he now doesn't have a defender marking him, and so <laughs> so off of a flicked header and essentially two dribbles of the ball, you have two of your central defenders who are completely out of the play. So again, if you're going to draw something up, that's the least ideal scenario you would want when trying to defend an attacking sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, okay. So then sun's dribbling. Lamella makes the run. That's two V one him against you know, class matches. There passes it around him. Uh, Maitland Niles comes around the back to close down Lamella. Lamella gets off. What I think is a pretty weak shot. Not a lot of pace to it. I think what it does, though, he takes it fairly early, mm-hmm. earlier than Leno is anticipating. So I don't think his, he's down in enough time to really get full stretch. And what he should be doing is is just is instead of parrying it into space, you should just smother that ball because it's, it's it's hit soft enough where I think I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, I don't want to say it's a blatant error. Um, I think because of the timing of the shot that Lamella takes, Leno's you can kind of see he's still not fully crouched down, so he can't get the full extension on his dive. And I think that's what allows him to then, instead of smother the ball and and possess it, he parries it out. Mm. And then the second mistake Socrates does is so he obviously first mistakenly goes for the header that he has no business going forward and will never get. (laughs) And then as he's tracking back, so he actually starts, he starts his run to get kind of back into position to clean up a parried shot like that, but he doesn't even look over his shoulder and he, ha- he has no recognition that Erickson is running on the outside of him. And so instead of sprinting and, you know, get showing urgency to, to clean up that, you know, space in the six yard box, which is what defenders do when there's, when there's a shot so they can, you know, clear it away. He he's just jogging. And so Erickson runs right off the back of him, balls parried right to his path. It's tapping. So just a, a calamitous series of events that le- that leads to that goal, but that's again we we've seen that pattern of you know Consuming Arsenal dominant dominant possession, mm-hmm. and then it's just a series of of individual mistakes that out of nothing lead to the opposition scoring a goal. Now everybody's being so uh, I guess so critical of Leno, um, and, and at, at time I mean as always some you know us as Arsenal supporters it's. It's it's kind of crazy. It's always up and down with some supporters. Um, uh, I, do you think people are being way too harsh on Leno on this one? Um, I, I mean, I think so. I think he, you know, listen. I think a keeper of that caliber, and he showed his caliber on, on the on the save um, from Sun a few minutes later, which was uh, mm-hmm. one one probably, if not one of the best saves he's had as an Arsenal player. Right. Um, but yes, yeah, somebody of that caliber again. It, the way the shots hit with with a lack of pace, you know, it's one thing if he if it's if it's drilled laces and he and he you know gets his fingertip to it and, and somebody's right there on the back post to knock it in, but it, it was it was a pretty tame effort, and so. But he almost yeah, looks stretched, though. He almost did. Like, th- doesn't he look stretched to you, or do you think he could have smothered that ball? I, I I just think I didn't think he get he got the full extension that he could have okay. because of because of the timing of the shot. I think it was. Again, I don't think he was expecting Lamella to take it on that early because right. he, he he was probably thinking he's going to take another half step, another half dribble, and then he'll get his full you know explosion off that off that left foot to really extend, and he would be able to you know it would 
kind of hit off his palm and and just stay in his in his path to to collect but because of the the timing of it and yeah just i mean criticism i think is fair but to go over the top and say you know that's like he's like he does that once a game or it's a worrying trend I, i'm not i'm not on that uh yeah, I'm not too concerned. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not too concerned. I think I think um, you know goalies certainly usually get a lot of more criticism than anybody else. But I mean, there's only so much that you know he could do. Like you said, you probably didn't see it. I uh, saw it probably too late, and I, I don't know. I mean, me as a as a goalkeeper, I I tend to do have some uh, some sympathies more for goalies um, because I mean I I let some stupid goals in as well through the legs and everything. Um, so, but the the important thing is is that from what I like, you know, usually uh, the arsenals of old would sort of give up, and you know, uh, I don't. And and from from the last game, uh, obviously against Liverpool, this time I didn't think they switched off at all. If anything, I think I saw more fight in them. W- would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, did, I didn't see too many heads. I mean, heads drop. I think there was frustration mm. because of the, the, the dominant period that Arsenal had leading up to the goal. Right. Um, and I think they realized that, listen, if we we can really get at these guys, and I think we're the better team, you know, if we if we have we, we have these chances, I think we'll we'll be fine. So, um, so I think that 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 was a positive response, and I th- I don't think they changed. You know, they didn't panic and. And start just pouring guys for what we've seen in the past, where you know we go go down and kind of lose all of our focus and game plan, and just goes out the window. So, uh, but it, it did not lead to a equalizer, and and then more or less, uh, you know, Tottenham second came out of again another just sheer moment of idiocy and lack of concentration and. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it. Just, just pure unpro- unprofessionalism, really, from our supposed leader and captain, <laughs> yeah. Granit Xhaka. And so. we and we have a bunch of questions on Granit Xhaka from from the listeners. So we'll get we'll get we'll dive right into them. Um, I really wanted to talk. Uh, also, I wanted to ask you about uh, Pepe and his performance. Um, almost like once again, he's really going for that goal. Um, there was some times uh, i mean i'm not criticizing him by any means i think i think he played an incredible game he was giving um that defense uh, a run for their money like you know he was making those darting runs and he's making those little plane uh, uh moves that he does so well um it, i just there was at times i do believe where he maybe he t- touched too many or not not just going and pulling the trigger on the ball what do you uh, make of his uh second uh, is it yeah second full full match performance uh i mean overall i, th- I thought it was um pretty positive uh performance from him uh obviously the the end product uh has not been there yet mm-hmm. but um I, I think i look at gonna look at it as a the microcosm and and context of his overall performance i think my biggest um the biggest reasons I'm excited about him is, is he is a, I think some of the best players in the world, what they do, what, you know, from a, not just from a technical standpoint, but when they get the ball at their feet is it causes teams to stop and, and look at him, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
the best players, you know, Henri had it, Messi has it, obviously. Um, you look at, you know, the Raheem Sterling's, um, Salah's, those guys, when the ball gets at their feet, it multiple heads are turned and watching what they're doing because they're, they're aware of the threat they, they possess. So that means the, the, the fullbacks focus, midfielders are looking at them. The center acts, center backs are looking at them. What are they going to do? Are they cut in? Are they going to cross? Are they going to, you know, go to the touchline? So I think what that, what he does just in that threat that he has with the, you know, with the ball at his feet, mm-hmm. is he opens up so many lanes and possibilities for teammates to then run off the backs of those players who are, who are having their gaze focused on Pepe and knowing that he can, he's so dynamic on he's, he's, he's I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't, I saw this a little bit in his, you know, his kind of highlight package, but his close control on the dribble is, is just fantastic. Like he almost, he welcomes pressure and he, you know, his, his feints, his, his you know, shoulder drops and the way he kind of just slides the ball from foot to foot and, and welcomes defenders in and then kind of uses that change of pace is, is fantastic. And we haven't had a wide player really oh, yeah. technically uh, have that close control and keep possession and, and, and burst out of it, you know, having, having beat a man or two. So really impressed with that. Just, just how he opens up the pitch and he, I think he opens up opportunities again, I, Goals. I mean, he did get an assist for for yep. Laka's first goal, so yep. let's not discount that. But I think the goals and assists and the chances created are are going to come in droves. Um, I think once he fully gets his his you know full ninety minute match fitness and his confidence and his his feel, you can you can tell it's getting there. Obviously, from uh, you know when he came on at uh, um, what was it against Burnley, and then um, obviously Liverpool and mm-hmm. and. And this match, I think he's he's grown in his confidence and his output. So, um, yeah, and overall, I mean, uh, again, I think the threat he brings is just such a huge upgrade from anybody we've had in recent years. And, and, I, and I'm confident that the output, the final end product will be there soon. Oh, yeah. Incredible. I, I just can't wait for this guy to to start scoring uh, some crazy goals and uh, compete with Laka and, and Obama Yang. Um, so listen, obviously we do see the momentary, uh, insanity. Well, not momentary, pretty much the whole game insanity of Granite Xhaka and Harry Kane obviously steps up to the plate that that motherfucker is not going to miss from the spot. Um, but what was most important, right? Arsenal go two nil down and who comes to save us? Uh, I, and, and listen, I was, I was at the pub and I was speaking to my friend Declan and I'm like, listen, man, what we need a friggin' goal before half. If we can pull one back, we are in good position. And lo and behold, Alexander Lacazette comes in big. And not only does he do that, but he does it in class fashion, okay? Staring right at the Tottenham supporters, very Henri-esque-like, um, which I friggin' loved, um, how crucial was that goal, Ryan? Oh, it was, I mean, it was massive. I mean, obviously the, the, the penalty was pretty deflating, um, just in the nature of it. And the fact that it was, you know, again, 10 minutes before half. So leading up to halftime, another goal conceded cheaply. Um, and that can be very just frustrating and, and defeating when you're, when you played well, which, which Arsenal had, and yet you're staring at a, at a two goal deficit at home against your top rival. It's just, it's, it's a tough thing to overcome. So I think you look at 
just watch just watching it back it actually comes from a a moment where um i think it's sissoko is in possession and then almost like three arsenal players just at once kind of like pounce on him to press the ball so it's i think it's bombing jaka and um might be terrera who kind of snap in at him and he's forced to play it back and the clearance is kind of a rush clearance guendouzi actually steps in um to intercept uh, that kind of hash clearance, cycles it back out, gets to Pepe, who puts that kind of outside of the outside of his uh, boot. Cross come hopeful pass, but it turned into a great, you know, uh, pick pick out to find Laka. And then you know the first touch is is incredible because it's it's hit with pace. It's kind of it's it's at his uh, you know mid shin, so he's got to he's got to raise his foot, dead the ball, uh, puts it puts him on path to goal. And then the second touch is, is, and this is what I love about Lacazette and, and his quality is it's not, you know, it's for me, it's the little things that he does is he, he sets up defenders and he sets up his chances so well to create the opportunity. That's what elite strikers do is they, is he's, he sees pictures in his head two two or three moves ahead. So he, the first touch, it's all about, okay, let me get this under control. But then the ball is bouncing there. The second touch, he he's what he knows is option. Well, you can just smash it, but that's kind of a hit and hope. But what he does, he's, he sees Vertonghen and he take a step towards him, right? Just kind of lunge. He's going for the challenge. And the second touch is just a little dink away from him. And now he knows he's got his left foot, the, the second touch with the right foot to take him into a free space. And the left foot is just a smash finish. Larice with no chance. And that's, that's what I love is, is he doesn't panic, you know, again, clock's running down. He knows it's near halftime. He's setting up that entire chance based off, you know, again, you can't do that without that brilliant first touch. Um, and that's what I think is Lacazette is, is so good at is creating his shots, his own chances um, in tight spaces. And that's what a, a clinical elite number nine does. And it was just massive because, you know, the crowd obviously went nuts um going into half 2-1 scoring right before the whistle is just mentally such a huge uh state of mind change than going down 2-0 and i think that you know really carried us into the second half which led to a a more confidence more belief that we could get a result so um and and it's not it's not the first time he's he's done this where he's Mm-mm created goals out of nothing in big moments when the team needs it. I mean, again, him, him and Obama and kind of, you know, we, we've seen this before, um, which is kind of worrying that again, still kind of relying on these two guys to, to carry the team, pick, to carry the entire team and, and, and drag us to results. But um, hell, I mean, if you're, if you'd rather it, that happen than not have those guys and, and not get the results. So um, you gotta, you gotta give them huge credit for, coming through in that moment oh yeah i love i love that little flick that he did i was like oh my god and they kept they kept showing the replay of that and it was just magnificent uh the, the way he did that and and surely now emery's got no doubt he has to have no doubt in his mind he's got to start these three guys uh up front uh pretty much every single match uh you know bar obviously you know the the league cups and and and, and all those other ones the uefa cup um uh, Europa League is what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, going going into the second half, it was huge, and that was a good thing about uh, I, that I saw. 
a change in this team, uh, it, particularly for this match, and I hope I hope it carries for the rest of the uh, the season. Is that they never gave up. They never looked, uh, you know, deprived. They didn't look, you know, sad. Like you're saying, heads down. Uh, and I don't know. Maybe it's because of the Tottenham match. Maybe because of the history of this match. The guys were geared up. They they looked obviously uh, geared in, but they never gave up, and they and they fought for that first goal, uh, and then. You know, moving on to the second half, um, were were you surprised that there was no changes made at half from from Unai Emery? I mean, he he's done it before, where he has made halftime changes. Were you surprised? I was I was hoping that Ceballos would have come in for for Granite Xhaka after making some stupid mistakes in the first half. Yeah, I think it was a little surprising, but I think, um, you know, trying to get into Emery's mind. And what mindset he's in? Is he is he is he scared? Is he being conservative? Is he going? Is he being risky? Is he being confident? Um, seems as if see the feel I get from him in, the, in these bigger games against you know top top six opponents, especially derbies. He's I think more cautious and conservative when it comes to his team selections and his kind of reactions in match decisions. So um, I, I guess in that sense, I'm not too surprised that changes to come at halftime. I, I think I do wonder if that goal didn't come, would there have been changes? My guess is probably yes. If it was two nil at half. Um, but, you know, again, at the same time we had, we had our, our best three attacking players arguably already on the pitch. So um, yeah, I think the natural choice would be maybe a more attacking midfielder for one of um, the three midfielders who started, but um Again, that's hard to figure out Emery's mindset from from match to match at this point. Yeah, you know, you go into the second half, and then obviously there's uh, the changes. Obviously, uh, are being made, um, and then you 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 look, and it's um, Torreira that comes off for Ceballos, which I found a little interesting because I th- I thought he was doing relatively well Torreira, or I might be mistaken. What do you, what do you make of his performance? Um, I thought his energy levels were good. Um, he was showing for the ball a lot. He was getting fouled a lot. I, I don't think that's his best position in a more advanced midfielder in, in a two. Mm-hmm. So we kind of, you know, we're playing a three man midfield kind of flat, but really it was, it was Jacka sitting deep and then Guendouzi and Torreira on either side more advanced so I, I i think we have a problem or i should say we emory has a problem um the team has a problem of figuring out the best combination in center of midfield um i don't think the best combination involves granite Xhaka, to be honest yeah but our manager seems to think that's exactly what our best combination includes is him so um i think I think Torreira and Xhaka are best at the same position. Um, I mean, I think Torreira is a little more dynamic than, than Xhaka, obviously, uh, just athletically and technically. But I, I still don't think – I think you lose something by having Torreira in that more advanced center mid position. I think, again, somebody like a Ceballos or, dare I say, Mesut Ozil even, um, would give you more output, would give you more of a creative – presence um than having Torreira there I think Wenduzi's fine obviously perfect for that position as one of the 
uh, more advanced center mids, but uh, I think there's a there's a conundrum. Basically, um, I think you need to either play Jaka or Torreira. I don't think you can play both of them. Um, you, using that formation. Yeah. Um, I... Now, if you want to play a four-two-three-one and have both those guys kind of more sitting deeper, and then have you know a number ten in again, that could be Ozil, could be Willa, could be Ceballos. Um, then those two guys are kind of our partnership. Maybe that might work better, but I still think it it it's deprives us of. Again, I, I think our we know what our strength is. Our strength is not defending. Mm-hmm. So I think we should accentuate our focus on our strengths, which is attacking and going forward. Therefore, play a more attacking midfield trio as opposed to a more defensive midfield trio because you lose you lose out on those chance generations. Yeah, I would have to agree with the whole Torreira and Jaka thing. I think I mean for for some times of the of the match, um, you know we were discussing at the pub that uh, there was such a wide gap in, in the middle of the park, you know, sometimes it looked like it was just attack and defense. Um, So that, that, you know, Emery needs to uh, fix that ASAP because it's not, uh, it's not working. Um, So I wanted, uh, Alexander Lacazette comes off for Henrik Mkhitaryan. And, you know, we've seen in the past that, uh, Lacazette, if he comes off at like around the 70th minute, he's pissed. Um, but he did, you you did see that there was signs of him pointing down and doing the, you know, suggestion of the, of the substitution there. I haven't read anything else yet. I don't know if you have heard anything. Uh, should it be concerning? No, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, he was, he did feel something. Um, it looked like it was his kind of thigh or hamstring area. And then from what I've heard, it was is end up just some some cramps. So I don't think it was a muscle uh, injury, um, which is good. Um, but you you tell he was looking over at the bench, communicating with them, kind of telling them like, hey, like I'm feeling something here. Like, so he was he was more or less asking to get subbed off because he knew he probably felt if he kept going that it could turn into a, a muscle injury. So pretty, pretty smart, responsible from all parties involved there. So, um, I don't, I don't, I mean, yeah, if if a guy's uh, feeling something, you got it, you got to bring him off. And the question is, of course, (laughs) why would you bring on a player who's then going to leave your club on loan for the rest of the season when you seemingly know that that's a possibility? Um, if not, if the deal wasn't really already done in principle at the time, I didn't even know. Um, Oh, he didn't know that Mctarian left. No, I I knew that he left. It was oh a, yeah. It was a surprise to me that he left. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that was. Um, I think it was. Yeah, pretty surprising to everyone. Um, but um, what do you, you think? Know, his, think sorry, I was just gonna say, what do you think his thinking was in bringing Mkhitaryan and maybe not a a, a Willick or? So here's where I think Emery, and we talked about is he. Does he have the pedigree, the the mentality to be a manager for a club with the goals that this club should and probably does have? I think he plays things far too safe, and and I, I'll even say he's a little bit scared. I don't think he's confident in, I'll say, his abilities and the abilities of his players that he has. And I think he's always going to err on the side of let's be safe and and cautious and let's play kind of a preventable style, especially 
because he's probably thinking, okay, we're down 2-0. We've tied it 2-2. We don't want to throw this game away. We want to at least get a point because a point would be good from being down 2-0. I think that's like how his brain works. Instead of thinking we're at home, it's fucking Tottenham. We're battering them. They're absolutely reeling. They're gassed. They've got a average center back who's playing it right back all game who we haven't tested enough. So instead of bringing on Reese Nelson, who's a, an electric, fast, pacey, you know, dribble past guys, get crosses in, get shots in, coming off the left, a uh, 19-year-old who's, who's got plenty of stamina to play for, for 10, 15-minute cameo, we, he brings on a, a, a attacking midfielder slash wide midfielder who is trusted, he's safe, He's not going to make any mistakes, right? Uh, even though, I mean, technically he did by having the first touch of a concrete uh, wall. Um, <laughs> but he's he's reliable, right? Mkhitaryan's a trusted pro. He's a trusted, smart player. He's, he's going to track back if needed. He's going to, you know, be able to hold on to the ball in possession, all that stuff. So instead of going for the kill, he's just going. Now, I mean, listen, Mkhitaryan's not, he's not trash. I mean, he's capable of, mm-hmm. of a of a good pass of a cross, right? He, I mean, he, he's not incapable of that stuff, but I, I just, it just reeks of, of being cautious and playing for the draw instead of going for the win, which I think the win was there. I think everyone saw that Tottenham were absolutely gassed. Um, they were just, they couldn't get, couldn't hold on to the ball to save their lives. And I, I think the goal, the winner was there. Um, and ironically almost was from that set piece, which, which mm-hmm. class match stupidly, went far too early and was offside for, but um, yeah, I, I don't like, I would have gone I would have gone from as Ozil if you wanted somebody more of a midfielder playing there in that position, because, mm. you know, again, against a tired defense, who's sitting back and giving you time and space, which Gwen Doozy showed for the assist and Oba for the equalizer. Wouldn't you want one of the best creators and passers you have in your team to, to take advantage of that. I mean, I, I would, I would think so, but right. again, I, I don't, I don't know. I can't, uh, I can't, I can't really fathom that. And then, and then he, and this is, this is before we knew he was going to be leaving the club yep. for the entire season. Right. Yeah. So we didn't even know that obviously now, now that, you know, he, he was gone out on loan the following day, it makes even less sense right. because like, where's, where's his head at, which again, kind of tell it wasn't fully there based yep. on his performance maybe right um or like if he picks up an injury now that you you potentially put the deal in jeopardy which again why would you do that right so that's just uh you know bizarre and <laughs> in hindsight really really strange and, and frustrating because i think a, a more impactful performance from that substitution uh i think is the difference between a draw and a win Right. I would 100% agree. Uh, anyway, good luck to him. That's 180000 or whatever it is uh, off the wage bill and uh, with an option to buy. So I don't know. Hopefully he has a mediocre season uh, at Roma that Roma decide to buy him. And that's another one off the books. Uh, or he has an awesome season and he comes back refreshed. Um, but anyways, moving on to the goal. Beautiful uh, lob pass by Guendouzi. Uh and, and you know Obama Yang does what Obama Yang does, and I mean it, the stadium erupted, the pub erupted, like it was incredible. Um, I I at that point Arsenal were like all, all over Tottenham. It's like they weren't like it's like a it's like a 
fist fight when the guy just continuously punching and is not allowing the guy to even like breathe. That's how crazy Arsenal were on top of them. I mean, Arsenal led them in pretty much everything in stats. Um, so, I mean, the, the goal was brilliant. And, you know, Gwenduzi, um, I think, has been playing very well uh, that he got a nod to the uh, French national side, you know, bar that, you know, it was you know, Pogba that was injured. But you know what? Nonetheless, congratulations to him as well. And it goes to show that his performances are are being noticed. And this kid has a bright future ahead of him. Yeah, I think yesterday was was really his um, uh, kind of turning point moment, I think, for, I mean, obviously, uh, most majority of his performances last year were very promising, encouraging. But uh, I think my biggest question mark with him was going to be physically, how is he going to develop and cope? And um, I think it showed he he was he was you know ten out of ten all, all over the place, um, you know intercepting, winning his duels. Obviously, gets the assist for the goal. Um, he popped up in the box um, in the in that second half, um, which was which forced a great save from Lloris on that. Um, kind of a little little dinked pass from uh, Torreira. So you saw him going, getting further forward than he, than he usually does. Um, you know, his, I mean, his confidence levels and his, his, the calm that he plays with at his age and his experience is what to me is the most impressive because he's, he's always showing for the ball. He's always asking for the ball. He's always driving the play forward. He's always forcing tempo. Um, which which is putting you know defenses on their heels and, and pushing them back, um, you know, kid like that could easily just kind of play it safe, always looking to shuffle it sideways, shuffle it back, and kind of take the easy way out. He he grabs the game by its collar and and says, "Let's fucking go!" Like mm-hmm. we're we're going forward, we're creating chances. I've got fucking world class strikers ahead of me. I'm not sitting back here and playing the easy you know five yard sideways uh harry winks uh pass All right that's 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 easy and that's safe and it's it's fine but guys who who know from that position know what it takes to to win games and to play at a elite level they're they're always looking to progress the ball forward and that that's what he does on a, on a constant basis and uh he's only yeah he's only going to grow in stature and confidence i think physically as well he's he's, he's maturing um, and, uh, you know, again, ton of interceptions, reading the game well from a defensive standpoint, which is huge mm-hmm. from that area because, uh, we, we, we lack that and we need somebody to, to step up in that area and he's doing that. So yeah, just, you, you, I mean, so, so impressed with him, uh, from yesterday's performance. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. I think the one more talking point, uh, unless you have anything else, Ryan, and, and by all means chime in, uh, is the uh, the clash between uh, you know Socrates and and Harry Winks? Um, I, I'm kind of interested to see your fact. Uh, sorry, your your thoughts on this because uh, a couple of minutes before uh, Harry, and Kane too, I guess. We uh, yeah, Kane. Yeah, I mean, at the 74th minute, Harry Winks gets a yellow card. Um, I don't know if it was maybe the referee maybe just didn't want to ruin the dynamics of such a good game. Um, but, you know, g- give Socrates uh, a yellow card for that clash. Like, I mean, Harry Winks and maybe even Kane, they, they both should have gotten a yellow, which would have resulted in Harry Winks getting a red card. What are your thoughts on that? So I, I actually don't think I think it was um, 
adjudicated correctly by the referee. Because here, here's how I saw it. So Socrates is, is making his rampaging run, right? That he that he's he's barreling up and up the line. Ball goes out for a throw in. They're jostling. They end up kind of grabbing each other's, you know, backside shorts or whatever. Um, so th- th- there's nothing there. There's no yellow card offense there. Um, you know, and then Socrates does what he does is he gets is ang- angry and you know he's he's being tough and, and a leader and that and that's good and the crowd loves it. So it's a derby. Okay, fair enough. Um, I think where the yellow card comes from, I don't think it's from them two coming together. I think as the kind of melee grows a little bit, I think it's I want to say I don't know if it's Kane or Davinson Sanchez. But Socrates comes together with one of them, and he kind of gives them a little head butt slash glancing little. He's walking away, but he kind of. I think it was Kane. Know, was it Kane? Okay, I think, so, I think so he so. kind of he kind of lands a bit of a glancing head kiss, if you will, if you want to call it that. <laughs> and so I think, luckily, you know that, that you that see those moments. That could could that have been a red? Oh. I don't think it was a red because it wasn't a straight. You know, he didn't he didn't launch back and and drop a head bomb but he but he put his head to, to Kane's head and so that that you've seen that ruled as a you know violent conduct red card right and so I think I think for it was a bit of that it was a bit of Socrates kind of instigating the the fracas with with everybody I think so I, I think that what was the yellow was for just kind of elongated uh, unnecessary conduct if you will so I actually, I actually thought that was ruled correctly, um, and I and I think going forward, the dive from Harry Kane late in the match in the penalty box was also ruled co- correctly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think again last year, I, I think what we're seeing with referees is they're going to be less likely to make those calls definitively, knowing that VAR is going to look at them. And it, and if it's an absolutely egregious error, then it'll get corrected, right? Um, but I think I think calls like that, I think this one was was less, you know, could have gone either way. But that that's that's a type of move and a type of type of call that you had seen Harry Kane get in previous years because there there's a little bit of contact. I mean, Socrates I think stupidly kind of puts his hand out as if he's gonna barrel into him and and, and push him down. Um, but but obviously you see Harry Kane before that even happens, he throws his legs out from underneath him and attempts to like go yes. vertical or sorry horizontal to I the pitch. That. Yeah. And if you've done anything athletic, whether it's you know soccer, football, you know anything where where you're jostling with another player, anytime you get pushed in the back, your legs don't go from underneath you like that. <laughs> your 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 body goes forward. And so it's your it's your hat your top half that goes forward first before your bottom half then goes. Yep. Once you lose your balance and you go you go sliding to the ground. So the fact that his 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 bottom half becomes upended before his top half does that tells you that there's no contact there to cause that. It, that's him throwing his legs to simulate the idea of of contact that is causing him to fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I think I think what with this new VAR. Um, kind of checkup is going to expose Harry Kane for the fraud that he is inside the penalty box. And instead of trying to actually make a play on the ball and win the team, win the match with, with his feet, he's looking for a 
a hand me out from the referees. And I think this year they're going to be less likely to make those definitive calls, knowing that again, they have VAR and VAR will just say, no, I mean, that was, you know, that was the right call because there's not clear and obvious. And I think that's the right call because you can't make that call in that moment of the game. And you can't say, well, there's contact. Well, contact doesn't mean foul. There's contact on every single play every single sequence of any any football match doesn't mean there's a foul and so i think it's the right call mm. and glad that harry kane is finally not getting the benefit of the doubt of his of his cheating which it, it is cheating let's just call it exactly 100 it's 100 cheating and i think it shows his his physical levels are not at at the place they need to be for him to instead of instead of trying to spin Socrates and get a shot off or get a cross in, he's all he can do at that point is dive and hope the referee bails him out. Yeah. They, they were gassed by the end of the match. Um, I mean, Jaka did it to him a couple of times. They were again, trying to hoof clearances to him. He couldn't hold the ball up at all. One time he did Jaka stupid. He's going nowhere. He's, he's gassed Mm -hmm. and Jaka, you know, he, he, he kind of uh, dinks the ball past him instead of just like, like Kane's not getting that ball. He's exhausted. But Jaka just hip checks him, and it's a foul. And yep. it's like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, I like, know. You're such, you're such an idiot. It's just, it's just his first reaction. I'm, I'm sure we have questions about Jaka, so I won't, <laughs> I won't, I won't rant. Yeah, but anyways, so they're, yeah, they're, they're think, mostly funny. But yeah, I think, I think overall the game was refereed quite well. I think their yep. their tactical rotational fouling should have been stamped out earlier in the match. I mean, they get, they end up getting five yellow cards, but they were they were they they knew exactly what they were doing. They were, you know, Winks and Lamella and Sissoko. And, mm. um, so overall, though, um, yeah, I think the referee decisions were were correct. Yeah, I was, I was just going to ask you, overall, I mean, this this, this is probably the best match so far. I mean, it was only four matches. Um, completely satisfied with Arsenal's performance. Um, so I, I guess I guess before we move on to the uh, to the questions here, uh, Ryan, um, are you satisfied? Uh, two 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 wins, uh, a loss, and a draw, seven seven points, not bad. Yeah, I mean overall, uh, again, you you look at the individual errors and mistakes that led to these goals that we've conceded, and you say, okay, um, that's as a worry, but that's also something that hopefully can be should be improved upon. Mm. Uh, as the season goes on, and again, I think I look. You look at it's a good position to be in. I think the international break is going to be a huge boost to the club because you have Hector Bellerin, Kieran Tierney in in full training. They're ahead of schedule. Rob Holdings played, I think, two under twenty three games, and now you have two weeks off to get those guys even closer to their first team appearances. And I think that's again going to be a just obviously a huge boost where we actually have our two first team fullbacks who are going to be playing. Um, but just a boost to, I think that what that's going to hopefully open up other players to be able to do, I think we'll see Aubameyang less uh, hugging the sideline when you have a competent fullback in, in Tierney. Um, and I think also you'll see Pepe who, who should slide in a little further in field when you have, uh, you know, Bellerin playing out there. So um overall i i don't have too many complaints i mean listen loss against liverpool draw in a derby and um you know two wins against teams who you should beat um 
yeah, I think that's that's a decent start considering our, our circumstances. Yeah, I like it. I mean, next match for Arsenal is uh, September 15th against Watford. So uh, another Sunday match. Uh, yeah, we got an international break. So dumb. Can't even play five games before an international break. Um, so, yeah. All right. Let's move on to listener questions, uh, Ryan. We got a couple here. I, I, some of them sound uh, some of them are pretty joking, I guess. Um, but we'll, uh, let, <laughs> this one is not, uh, well, it, it is a joke, but at the same time we, we can get serious because it is about Xhaka, uh, Ryan, mm-hmm. and it's from Dwayne, by the way, all of these questions are, uh, from the T dot Gooners group. So shout outs to, uh, everybody on that group for being very supportive to the pod. Uh, Dwayne, Dwayne says fire Xhaka from the cannons or bury him under them. <laughs> so, I mean, realistically though uh in all seriousness Jaka cannot see the pitch again but clearly he will yeah i i just i think i think what it comes down to and this is without you know getting into any incendiary you know expletive laced commentary which which is very easy to do but i just think his the negative traits of his game just fully outweigh the positive traits that he brings and and examples are this right so what he does well okay when he has time and space he can break lines he can switch the field with his passing um very good at that right not going to deny that Mm -hmm. um problem is when you're playing especially in this league even even more so now not i was going to say not just against the top teams but even the lower half teams they are pressing more and more than they used to so Xhaka against pressure and un- with speedy players closing him down is terrible. He just, he can't, he can't turn. He can't play. He, he's one, completely one footed, uh, can't shift the ball quickly. can't spin out of trouble. So, uh, you know, he's not going to be effective when he doesn't have time and space and he's just sitting out there picking out passes. Um, again, let's talk about defensively. Um, essentially, I, I compared him to a training cone in which he <laughs> is there physically, like he's there on the pitch, but he gets passed by, he gets ran past, and he gets dribbled past at an alarming rate. <laughs> um, and so if that's your defensive midfielder who's supposed to be shielding the back four, who physically cannot keep players in front of him, and that leads me into his next flaw, which is, when players do go by him or are near him, I think he's so insecure about his ability to not physically be able to run and keep up with players and keep them in front Mm -hmm. that it's like a tick of his in which he just, he just, he just fouls people. He just, he just grabs them. He, he kicks them. He slides, he leaves his feet. He, he kind of, what he always, what he does the most, which really fucking pisses me off is he does his little hip check thing where oh, he where yeah. he gets he gets close to a player and instead of like actually attempting to to get in the defensive position slide his feet and and stay in front he just completely sells out he lunges kind of with his hip he leaves his little hip out and the player goes by him and it's a foul mm-hmm. and to me i think i think when it comes to, comes to to marking and and defensive actions i think he's a coward I think he's a, again, I think it comes down to his insecurity. He knows he can't keep up with the pace uh, of these, of these wide players and these attacking midfielders who are running at him. And so I think his his instinct is, well, I'm just going to foul him and I'm just going to leave my feet. And that, that way he can say he tried, right? Well, Mm -hmm. 
you can't blame me for the sun penalty because I tried. You know, he I thought he was going to shoot. I thought he was going to pass. So I tried to to make a sliding challenge, and well, it was unlucky that I fouled him. And I think that's a bullshit mentality. I think it's a coward's mentality. And I'm not saying he's a coward as a, as a person, as a man. I just think that's his insecurities defensively coming out and that's how they manifest themselves. And that's where you get these individual errors that lead to goals, that lead to penalties, that lead to gaping holes in the middle of the park that expose our already fragile and makeshift back four as it is. And listen, if somebody's going to be your experienced player, your, your leader, your the guy who's writing the views from the dressing room in the, in the, in the, in the match day program, you cannot make those critical sophomoric amateurish errors on a consistent basis. Otherwise, what, what are you bringing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, you know, I, I, I'll, I can accept that from a Joe Willock. I can accept that from a Gwen Doozy. Um, cause they're young players, you know, they don't have that experience. They haven't learned that the hard way yet, but grand Jaca, man, you're, you're the captain of your country. You're the captain of this club. You've got, you know, hundreds of appearances between um, Gladbach and Arsenal. Now, what the fuck? You can't. You, you just can't do that anymore. And 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 so we know that this isn't a a one off. This isn't a well. You know, it, it's a once in a while type thing. He's, he's got the most errors, individual errors that have led to goals in the Premier League since he's since he's moved to England. Okay, so he he leads the league in that that category. Um, so there's plenty to choose from if you want to pick out examples. And so if he's constantly got that in his locker, how do, how do you trust him as a manager? Uh, and, and that, that to me is the puzzling thing is what Emery sees in him. And again, if he was like a, a absolute shutdown, you know, man marking defensive midfielder who just absolutely provides a, a, a impenetrable shield and cleans up and, and dispossesses guys left, right, and center and is, and is able to, you know, cover the wings. Okay. I, I, I could live with that. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly could, but he, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that at all. And so then it comes to just down to the point, what, what is he actually bringing? What positive traits is he really bringing to the side week in week out? And those are becoming harder to find for me. So at, at some point, like, yeah, obviously furious at the player, but, now you're going to start looking at, at the manager and saying, yo, what is compelling you to keep selecting this player after all these consistent errors match in match out. And at that point, you know, that that's on the manager. So, um, I, I would like, again, I, for me, any, any center midfield discussion, I don't think involves him when it comes to first choice, it's got to involve, I think Torreira is the deeper player. And if you want to split two around him, then you got Guendouzi, Ceballos, Willick, Ozil. You got plenty of options who are more dynamic, who are going to offer you more. And again, are going to emphasize and enhance what we do best, which is attacking going forward. So mm. uh, remains to be seen though. So are you firing him from the cannon or are you burying him? Um, I think it would be... <laughs> less labor intensive to fire somebody from a cannon. <laughs> so I'm just going to, well, burying him that, that implies that you're killing him. Right. So that, that's harsh. That is maybe, harsh. maybe if you fly, fire him out of a cannon, he could perhaps self-sustain in some kind of like suit or maybe into some kind of projectile that he can then build a, maybe a colony on, on the moon. <laughs> he can, 
and you can just you know slide challenge you know all, all the space rocks and dust and any 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 martians he, he encounters out there i don't know so maybe, maybe i'll fire him out of a cannon yeah. like it gives him a fighting chance to stay alive i don't want to i want to kill the man like literally. i was gonna say maybe just fire him back to uh gladback that'd be great um all right, so even better. Yeah, I, I took it too far into the whole space exploration aspect. That's, that, okay. that's, that's much, much more practical, Mario. That's okay. It's all good. No, I, I completely agree, one hundred percent. I mean, personally, me, I would not. I don't want to see Xhaka ever again on the pitch. Um, put put him put him with the U twenty ones or or put him for just fucking cup games or whatever it is or Europa leagues. Not even Europa leagues. Uh, maybe the preliminary matches. I think he's. I think he's done um he sh- he should be leaving the, the club um mo- moving right along uh so justin from t.gooners um and i'm not too sure what he's implying by it um may- maybe he saw something on arsenal fan tv like we always do uh but why are arsenal fans so impatient and and i don't know m- what probably if i had to guess probably having having to do with pepe would be because i've seen some mm. some splits opinions on you know oh he's 72 million he hasn't scored yet he's 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 a bust and or you know he's not picking out the right pass or he's not hitting the target with his shots and um and listen i mean that that's uh, think about this way if imagine if twitter was around for terry Henry or dennis burkamp's first season with arsenal yeah i think i don't think Henry scored in his first 10 matches Uh, yeah i think it's 10 10 or 20 turned out to be the best player in the history of the entire league. Uh, I, and I'm not saying Pepe is going to be, you know, the next honoree, but just, you have to, I, again, but it's Twitter. So in social media, there, there isn't room for nuance no. and, and level headedness. So I don't, I don't really pay much attention to reactionaries who are going to kill a guy based off two and a half performances, which I, I think for the most part have been good. Uh, yeah. I mean, they've been rinsed, positive. He rinsed, he rinsed two of the best defenders in Europe at the moment, you know, last match, uh, uh, multiple times, you know, mm-hmm. in Van Dyke and Robertson. And then, you know, he had, he had multiple players on toast, uh, this last match and yeah, the end, the end product isn't there, but I, I don't, I don't see, there's nothing I don't see from his form and his output that I, worry that the end product will be coming so yeah and i mean i think what people have to differentiate is uh if this is the case in terms of uh, pepe um is that this isn't the french league okay this isn't uh you know you can scoot around and you know i'm not saying that the french league is by any means a terrible league uh, but I mean, it, it's just it, it's not as high tempo and as as the English Premier League and, and the English Premier League, you know, traditionally is a little bit more rough than the other leagues. But you, you got to give them time. You can't just judge them based on two and a half games like you're saying. So it, it, it's going to it's going to take time. And I don't I, I, I just can't see any negatives from this guy so far. Um I, I think he's been doing great. I think he's a good ball dribbler. He's definitely not a Theo Walcott where he that the, all the all the, that guy can do is just friggin' run, and he he can't dribble. Uh, it will be he can dribble a little bit, but then again, he made mistakes when he was dribbling. Even though he's killing it with Everton, so you know, shout out to him. But it, it, it's gonna take time, and I think if this is what we're getting from two and a half games, which is not bad, could you imagine just 
uh, you know, next season and moving forward. Uh, it's I, I don't know. I, I guess it, 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 if this is about him, then I don't know why. Get, give him time. And, and I, I'm I'm I mean, I'm actually excited and impressed from what I've seen from him. I mean, I, I understand, you know, OK, is his, his shooting accuracy and, and some of his decisions in the final third are, are have been less than stellar. But I mean, you know. Go go watch film of any player throughout mm. minutes, and you're going to see mistakes made. So oh, again, yeah, yeah it, it's it, I, I I'm I'm more optimistic, way more optimistic than I am worried for from oh, for yeah. his efforts. Hundred yeah. uh, percent. Next question, um, Daryl uh, Disco, my man. Um, which is an interesting question because it got me thinking. Um, are we truly getting better, or are we just treading water? It's an interesting question because you saw a completely different dynamic from the Liverpool game to to the Tottenham game, where almost the Liverpool game it was almost like before kickoff they knew they were going to lose. Yeah, I mean, I I, I want to say we are getting better, but again, you look at look at the result, look at the performance, look at the the way the goals are scored, both by Tottenham and and by Arsenal. Mm. It's hard to say we're not treading water because again. Two individual error or two sequences of individual errors lead to two opposition goals. Right. Then you have two moments of brilliance from our two strikers who bail us out, yep. which was more or less the narrative of last season in a nutshell. Um, the reason I would say I, I'm more optimistic that we're getting better is I think we have better players than we did last year. Just yeah. um, and again, I I think with our we have deep defensive reinforcements coming. I think we're going to look like a completely different team once those guys are on the pitch. Um, whereas last season, it, there was not that help wasn't there, and it was not going to be coming because of injuries, you know, season-ending injuries. So um, that's the reason I'm going to say we're getting better and have more optimism to say that we look different. But on the run of results i think it's also fair to say we kind of are doing the same things we were doing last year as well yeah i mean it's too early to tell i guess but i mean you do see it is. yeah you, you, it is. you do see glimpses like i mean a completely different arsenal team from like i said even the liverpool game till till this game i don't know maybe it's because of the fixture and, and the, the tradition and the guys just get riled up for it and they see you know Thierry Henry, Dennis Burkamp, you know, they see all these guys doing doing their thing. I, I don't know. Uh, I would love to see this intensity every single match. It doesn't matter who they're playing. So, I mean, we shall see. We shall see. Yeah, I would give them at least 10 more games to see if we're fully, um, you know, treading the waters, I guess, as far as performances from last year. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we shall see. Two more questions, Ryan, and then we're good. You good with that? Let's do it. it. All right. So Kevin, um, he says, did Emery make a mistake not starting Ceballos? Uh, Yeah, I would say so. I think, you know, looking back in hindsight, um, I think it was a mistake not to, I think, have a go at and test Tottenham's midfield, which consisted of Sissoko and Winks, Mm. which to me is very lightweight and not, you know, defensive minded really in, in the least. And I just don't think very good. Um, 
And again, I think it's gave them a, a bit of an out when you had Davinson Sanchez, who's a center back, deputizing at right back for Tongan, who hadn't played a game all year. And um, so I think, I think again, a little too cautious and a little too, um, again, just not highlighting our strengths and not playing to what our strengths are. And I think kind of playing to um, let's, let's try and react to what the other team is going to do. So yes, I would have gone a Torreira and then Ceballos and Guendouzi, or like I said, Torreira and then a Ozil, Willick, Ceballos, Guendouzi, pick two out of those four players. Um, I would have been happy with any of those combinations. Mm-hmm. 100% made a mistake with not bringing in Ceballos. I think the whole dynamic of the game changed as soon as he came on. He started very Santi Cazola-esque, grabbing that ball, driving forward, making plays, making ma- making the intelligent plays to put simple thing, head up, look at the open player, and pass that friggin' ball. So I think the game would have been essentially different if Ceballos would have started. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I, it, we'll, let's not get ahead of ourselves like once again. It, it's the beginning of the season. Ceballos is still gelling into the team. And I think, this, you know, as the more he gets to know his teammates, the better he will become. So I'm not getting too ahead of myself with that one. But I think he is he's going to be a great player. And we got to do everything in our power to, to if, he, if he continues playing like this, we got to do everything in our power to, to, to keep him. And I'm, and I'm talking like, as in, as if I'm part of the Arsenal upper, upper echelons here. <laughs> um, last question, Ryan uh, and Jason. So shout outs to Jason, who was actually at the pub, uh, the Duke of Wellington with us and his son, who's going to Wilfred Laurier, his first, uh, his first year. So shout outs to him. And he's an Arsenal supporter. Although, his brother is a Chelsea supporter, so I don't know how that dynamic works at home. So, Jason, you got to get your you got to get your son uh, wearing uh, rocking the the red and white and not the the blue and white. But anyways, it was nice meeting you guys, uh, and thank you for the question. Thank you for listening as well, um, Ryan. He says, "Is Leno really good enough to help us win big trophies?" Um, I I think so. I mean, if you look. If you look around the league and if you look around even the world with with goalkeeping, and especially if you look at what we paid for Leno, mm. um, I mean, just let, let's just go down, you know, in England. Um, okay, you've got Ederson and Allison, which I think are, are clearly, you know, above the rest. You've got, um, you know, Lloris. Would you rather have Lloris? I, I don't think I would. I mean, mm. um, De Gea, United, okay, obviously, De Gea, you know, you know what he – he, he does and his level, but had a f- pretty f- fair amount of clangers in, in the past year and a half. So um, then you got Keppa at Chelsea who cost 70 million. And I, I don't know, I, I'm not convinced by him that he's, that he's a world-class keeper. So I think we kind of quietly, and I think quietly Leno had a, I think a pretty good year, like a seven out of 10 mm. kind of season. Yeah. I think it didn't get really talked about much because we were pretty poor defensively. Our, our, our defensive record was bad. So you don't really, you're not going to really jump to, to you know, compliment the keeper when you're conceded 50 plus goals in the league. But I think individually, I, th- I thought he did fairly well. I think he's, I mean, 
Yeah, that big save. Yeah, huge save. I mean, again, we talked about could have done a lot better for the first one. But um, again, I, I, I think if you look at his career so far, he's dropped just a bunch of like seven, seven and a half out of 10 performances. Yep. Um, maybe not so many 10 out of 10s or 9 out of 10, but not really that many 5 out of 10s. And I think if that's what you're getting from your keeper where you're not really talking about him that much, I think that's a good sign. Um, We don't really notice him, um, which means you don't really talk about the keeper unless they've really made mistakes, right? Right. Um, You sit, you know, he makes a save, say, oh, good save, but it's not, you know, you're not talking about it. You're not reviewing it like you would a, 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 you know, coming for a cross and not catching it or, or, or chucking a, a corner into a, into your zone goal. So um, I, I'm quite happy with him. Um, I think we've actually probably got a pretty good bargain on our hands, all things considered. Yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think he's done. I'm, I'm, his mistakes definitely do not outweigh his performance. I don't no. think by any means. Um, I think he's an incredible keeper. I, I like him. Uh, and I think, I mean, what he's, he's Germany's number two or three, three. Now he just yeah, got called three. back in for these, these yeah. next two games as, as the, uh, so, as number hey, three. so Hey man, I mean, he's doing something right. And listen, the, the one thing I'm concerned about with him is his, um, how, how he comes for, for set piece, uh, balls, you know, corners and balls into the box. He's a little uncomfortable. Mm. Um, you know, he's kind of a little bit of got a little bit of flappy hands and he, he's, you know, comes when he shouldn't and doesn't come all the way. And uh, but at the same time, we actually conceded the least amount of goals on corners last year. Yeah. So all that being said, OK, actually can't statistically criticize him from that area because, well, we did, we did the best out of any team defending from those areas so um yeah overall i'm happy with him and like who are you gonna get that's that like demonstratively better than him right now like yeah. realistically yeah i mean there's just there's not that many world-class keepers out there that are that would be available um so yeah overall i'm i'm happy he's he's our number one yeah i'm happy with him too i don't think i have any issues with him moving forward i mean unless he really gets into a huge slump but I don't think so, uh, Ryan. That that's uh, that, that's it, buddy. That's all I have. Um, it's been it's been a good podcast. Thank you very much, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you uh, very much for listening to the podcast. Just a couple of things. Remember, uh, all of the links, uh, how to find us, how to listen to us, are in the description below. Please, uh, if you guys want to get notifications when the podcast comes out, sign up for the newsletter uh, because as soon as we post the podcast, you will get a newsletter saying that a new podcast is up. No selling, nothing of that nature um, uh, in, in that. It's just strictly just letting you guys know that the podcast is there. Uh, all other links and everything on how to interact with us, they're all in the description down below. Hey, man, we're going into an international break, which sucks. I hate it. Four matches in and we're already there. Uh, Our next match is against uh, Watford, I do believe I said, on the 15th. Another Sunday match at 1130, which is A-OK with me. Hopefully we can uh, go down to the pub and have some good times there. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the podcast today with me on this Labor Day weekend. Uh, Back to school for all you youngsters, so good luck. Uh, and back to work for, for the rest of us. Ryan, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. 
Cheers, Mario. Thanks, yeah, man. yeah. Cheers. Uh, good night. Godspeed. Godspeed. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Thank you.